Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. We're closing in at the end of 2020. Thank goodness, I think everybody's probably happy that uh, it is the end. I usually only have one or two in December and we only have two episodes left for the rest of the year, but this is a great duo, a great way to pretty much in um, November. The next one's just me, uh, the last one in November. So, but today we have Julie and Theo Fells and they are in a small town in New York. Um, Theo worked in uh, New York City for many years and, but they loved Kinderhook in New York. So it's, it, if you Google Earth it, it looks like a beautiful place, a great place uh, to visit and um, you should check it out, this little town. There are two furry creatures in Theo and Julie's life that are in their room. So if we hear anything, we're fine. We love furry creatures too. I just want to make sure everybody knows that if they hear some weird noise, it's not Theo's stomach, right? It's probably um, a dog. (laughs) (laughs) So this is episode 364. And one of the, I mean, they have, uh, amazing work. They have an agency called Feisty Brown, and we're going to ask about that in a minute. But um, Theo has been working in the industry for many years, and um, Julie came on board and as they started growing and helped them out, and we're going to get that backstory. But Theo, can you just give us a little bit, a little bit of your background of where you um, came into design and how long you've been in business? Uh, the business, as far as business goes, um, the current business, Feisty Brown, was started by both of us. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's our business and it's a very, and we'll, we'll kind of get to it, but it's um, probably, I, it's like I have a big sigh of relief once we started Feisty Brown because all of the complications and mistakes and, you know, just little things that I've I've run across in the past, we really talked through um, before we started this business. And having somebody like Julie, who um, is a much better manager than I ever was, um, is, uh, was, was pretty awesome. I started back in college. I was an art student at the University of California, Santa Cruz. And I was a fine art student. I have a fine arts degree. But I got a job at the student newspaper. And I was always really interested in graphic design and I had no idea how people did things. You know, I had no idea how even these people who made posters got those colors so even without like a pen going back and forth like this. I didn't know how it was done. I I started as a production assistant. I learned how to use a stat camera, which was how, you know, we put color together back then and created uh, graphics um, or converted a photograph to a dot pattern that would then be printed. So I, you know, I, I started way at the bottom and worked my way up uh, to be uh, the art director of, of, this, of the Student Weekly. And it was fun. It was award-winning. And actually, a lot of people who worked there, writers and designers, went on to some pretty nice careers. So it was a nice way to start. And from there, I got you know, jobs as a, as a lowly production assistant and then a designer. I graduated from school with an art and art history degree and um, eventually made my way out to New York City and worked for a couple places till I landed at one place called the Barnett Group and became a, um, an art director there. And we did a lot of corporate communications. And I met people and worked with people from 
Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 50 companies. We did a lot of, um, we did end reports, we did magazines. And that's kind of um, is the genesis of where I am today. People I met back in the 90s, I am still working with today, or at least kind of offshoots of those people. So I think art director always has like, there's a different term in ad agency world as art director. And then there's a different term in maybe a design agency. Were you still doing design or were you kind of taking, getting the ideas and then having other people do the production? Oh yeah, I was doing design. I was at a small agency and I've always worked at small agencies, almost always, I should say, where you are in charge of the whole project. And, you know, there's, whether, whether you have a good budget or bad budget depends on how many people are working with you. But I think I've always been pretty hands-on and it's not always a good thing. Now, my goal is to not be as hands-on and it's hard because I really love doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just see some, you just see somebody else doing something creative and you just get another idea and you go, and I want to do that, you know, or I want to do that. So uh, it, it's hard to let go of, but it's also a really helpful thing to be able to direct people and have their design be awesome. It's a way for your business to grow because if you have to have your hand in everything, you have limited time, but it's also great to really believe in somebody else you know that people needed people you needed somebody to believe in you and give you opportunities and now you're able to kind of do that for other people so exactly so i always wonder and i know this wasn't on the sheet so again safe word is rooster what about <laughs> like did you ever feel like a sellout like why didn't you do uh, fine art like a lot of times fine art people are like i'm not doing graphic design like why didn't you do graphic design in school well to tell you the truth yeah, and I come from a background where there are some people in my family who are fine artists. And after school, I thought, I really like doing design and I really like fine art, but I also like making a living. And making a living was a lot easier as a graphic designer. And you still can satisfy that kind of creative, that visual creative need, you know, that an artist would have. So, so it was a little bit of it was a little bit of a cost of living uh, decision. But you didn't want to take graphic design classes or were there not like it wasn't a major. It was just a few classes. It's funny. I have never taken a graphic design class. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> no, never. That's I took a calligraphy class in high school and so- uh, that was it. So you learned a lot, like all of us. I never took a web design class, and that's one of my biggest things that I offer clients, right? You have yeah. to keep learning. You have to have um, attitude is really important. And I think that that's probably going to come into a lot of what we're going to talk about today, which is about relationships, yeah. right? My, my classroom was CA Magazine. I had stacked this high, you know, and all the other magazines that came and went, CA still, still seems to be the one that's kind of survived, but um, the cu- communication arts. Right. People don't know what that, that is. But that's really like looking and reading and seeing what other people are doing. There you go. Um, <laughs> Keep it close to hand too. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're in, um, you moved to New York. You're working at the Barnett Agency as an art director and you're doing design what did you learn from that job that you took? It could be good or bad that you took. And um, cause then you had another agency with um, 
you had another partner at some point, right? Before you went out completely on your own. Do you want to kind of just give us a little bit of that back? um, And then just tell us kind of what you learned. It could be things that you messed up on, but then now, because now you're saying like with you and Julie, with Feisty Brown, you have um, a different, like you've taken everything you've learned and made all the right decisions, hopefully on this one, right? (laughs) Yeah. We don't know that yet. (laughs) I I mean, I think that the good thing I learned was the agency was, was run by two brothers and they were real human. You know, they weren't putting on airs or anything like that. They were just two nice guys. And that was reflected in what the client in, in our relationship with the clients, how they related to us. We just became human with each other. It wasn't like this barrier of I'm your client. Mostly it wasn't this barrier of I'm your client. I'm paying you. You're working for me. It's much like, let's do this together. And I think that that's the type of thing that Julie and I, we still believe in. It's like we're partners with our clients and we, we kind of, you know, feel the pain and the joy that our clients do. And we really kind of get to understand their difficulties in doing what they're trying to do for their company. It's not always difficulties, but what I'm trying to say is that we understand that the kind of the hoops that they have to jump through as well. And so we try and, you know, we try and recognize that. I think the thing I learned and when I was pretty young at Barnett was the kind of the bad thing was I learned that I wasn't necessarily treating the designers that were working for me properly. I was in New York and I was thinking we had to be really tough and get what we needed to get done and stuff like that. And I was really hard on them. And they called me out on it. I was in my mid thirties and they just said, you know, this isn't, this isn't working between us. And I always thought I was a pretty nice guy. And apparently I wasn't. And I always thought of that moment when I got called out for being just a little too demanding um, and not really understanding what's going on. And I hope I learned from it. You know, I think I did. So then get us to the point where Julie comes in. She was uh, working at a library. So she, we know she has a love of learning and people, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so so then Julie comes in and she is um, coming into a different agency, but you're there. Get us to that point and then, then you can tell us how you guys decided to start this one. I was working for Theo at his previous studio and I was making a big career shift from being a public library director into this, um, Theo and I had worked on the library's website together. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And I taught myself Drupal so I could actually code the site that he was designing for me. And I just, I really got into it. And I loved what he did and how he did it. And we were very compatible. So I decided to make a big career shift and I started working for him uh, doing project management. And we decided to start Feisty Brown because we are very compatible together. And you know, we, we ended up having a relationship and getting married somewhere in there. Before we started Feisty Brown. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. right, we did. Yeah. So we, we started it in uh, 2017 and um, it's, it's been great. I think again, we kind of reviewed between ourselves, what we should have done or wanted to do in all of our past work. Even, I mean, I think maybe even for Julie, not just graphic design, you know, yeah. it's just kind of like, what kind of job do you want? 
<laughs> well, I wanted to, I, my, my dad was a, was a business owner, you know, he, he owned all sorts of business, businesses. And so I wanted to do that as well. I think I've had it in me. Genetic. So this was, this was kind of our chance to get it right. Yeah. And we did, we, we, we tackled the, almost the hardest things first. I mean, like setting up a business, getting your incorporation papers, getting payroll, you know, all of this stuff that as a designer, me and all the other partners I had, we never, we like, oh, we'll do that. We'll get it done. Let's just get the work done for the client. You know, let's just, it's, it's great, but we got to do our, we got to do our design work. And we just, we tackled the hard things first. And at least to me, it was hard. Maybe to Julie, it wasn't, it wasn't that hard. It was my job. So <laughs> I did it. Well, but maybe that's the difference is that you had somebody on board that that was their job to yeah. do those. So then you could focus again. That's where a lot of times as designers, if we are one person who's wearing all the hats or it's a, a yeah. duo um, like John and D that there still needs to be roles for different each person. And sometimes uh, that's where your superpowers are able to come in. If Theo was doing it, it might not get done or it might not get done exactly the way it was supposed to, or whatever, you know, it's, a, it, it's finding each of your, right paths and then it's how it comes together so how long julie did you work for theo before 2017 i think it was about six years okay so but i think it's great so once again you're using you were a client and it was such a good like he made you feel like a partner again this sounds like something that theo's done his whole um career as he's continued to um, get better and better, um, he's made sure that the clients were always heard and seen and were part, like I said, co-collaborative, you know, that you were also a collaborator, that he let you like do the coding is is a lot of like- oh, No, I didn't what? let her do the coding. I was glad that she did the coding. It, it actually, it started that I wanted to teach myself Drupal. So I wanted to make a website. So I decided to redo the library's website and got him to do the design. That's yeah. cool. But that is a really a collaborative effort that you did together with a client. And then again, it makes long-term relationships. I mean, this obviously is a yeah. really good relationship if you got married and stuff like that. So, so taking it back to, so Leah's asking about Beisty Brown and the name. So which one of you wants to answer it today? <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer it. Okay. You answer it. okay. So I have to say that this is the thing that people ask us about the most is, is our name. And we had no idea that it was going to resonate that much, but Feisty Brown is actually exactly a collaboration between me and Theo. When we were thinking about names, he was coming up with, with a whole bunch of different things that weren't really sticking with me. And I was coming up with stuff that he would roll his eyes at. And he finally said, what about Mr. Brown? And I, one of the things that I wanted to do was to apply to be a woman owned certified business in New York state. So the name, Mr. Brown doesn't really work for that. And, uh, you know, and I'm 50% of the business. So I, I thought it was uh, a little too gender specific. <laughs> and then I, I don't know. I, I was, I don't know why I started thinking about the name the word feisty, but I really like the word feisty for a number of different reasons. And I mentioned the word to Theo and he said, well, what about feisty Brown? And that was it. I That's love it. that. Really special. <laughs> but, it, but why Brown? So why just because uh, it was, 
it was okay. So I had been my previous studio was called Theo and Sebastian, and I had been in some other studios who were also named by the people who owned them, and it was just like, oh my god, I just can't do this again, you know. And then I just thought, what is like the most generic, you know, kind of like boring, not boring, but just kind of generic name that maybe you could spice it up because it's it's kind of weird to call a company Mr. Brown. And, and you know, so that's why I thought of it. But it was like, we were still not convinced of the names. But then when Julie said feisty and we said feisty Brown and it just rolled off the tongue so well. And it kind of, it, it kind of, was a collaboration of our ideas and the way we felt about the business. Mm -hmm. um, it worked. And it's, it's, yeah, it's like, we have to explain it almost too much now. Well, we came up with a whole bunch of different stories that were a lot <laughs> more exciting than what we just told you. Yeah, but that's the real story. Some of them I can't say on a Zoom call. They're <laughs> good though. So I like that. Um, I think it is an interesting story to be honest. And I like I, I think about Brown. I do. I agree with it's kind of a general name. My husband's name is John Smith, like no doubt, like really that's his name. <laughs> so I kept Gibbs. Um, so, but anyway, um, when, I mean, I never changed my name. It's not that I don't love my husband, but anyway, just felt like I needed to preface that, but his name really is John Smith. So, but um, with Brown, I think, okay, well, it's a color. But then it's also a feisty brown color. And then it, you're talking about like a general person, like a, could be anybody. So I like that it has all these multiple meanings. But I really do want you to tell me what color feisty brown is. Like, what's the PMS? And it may not even be what, but I think that's something I would want. I want to know what the PMS for feisty. I just love, I even, I was like, is that spelled right? Because feisty, I before E, but not in feisty, you know? I just love, I love, there's so many things. And so it's very playful. But if you look at your work, your work is playful. You love typography, or at least that's what it looks like when I'm looking at your work and you have this, um, this great relationship with color, which again, the, with the brown, I'm, it gave, it had a lot of uh, questions and it, uh, it, it was curious. I was curious about it. And I think maybe that's what a lot of people are. Okay. So Let's we'll go to the next one. So life has changed for lots of people during this last nine months with COVID. And y'all told me that even before COVID, you were already integrating like family needs with uh, during the business work day. And I think this has been a really hard thing for a lot of people to have that now. Hey, I got to go take the dog on a walk or I'm going to go get milk or, you know, something. Um, and so how has that been? Has there really been a change for you in the way y'all are living during the pandemic and working from home? I would say we, we definitely have a nice flow with integrating work and life. To, to us, there's no separation. And as you said, that was before COVID. We have some boundaries that we set. Like we try not to do client meetings before 10 o'clock in the morning so that we can do the things that, that we want to do uh, first. Um, we also try not to answer emails after hours, um, but that doesn't mean we're not thinking about work and talking about work after hours. There's a difference between bringing your clients into that and keeping it behind closed doors. So all of that is still going on. Um, now my teenage daughter is home because she's a high school student. She's in her senior year of high school. And it is different because she's doing 
classes with four different schools. Um, she's, you know, got anxiety um, in general about going to college next year, not even understanding what that's going to look like. We have extra things going on. Plus, we got a, a pandemic puppy who um, has started to rule our lives. And <laughs> that was something we should have thought a little bit more about. But it's kind of fun. And it's really great to, uh, you know, have new relationships with my daughter during the school day. Uh, my son is coming home from college on Friday with his girlfriend. And they're going to be doing the rest of their schooling this semester from here so we're going to have lots of schooling going on lots of work going on and I, I we're not alone and we're actually lucky because we have older kids to have yeah. younger kids and be going through this and having to work and work from home I just my heart goes out to people who have that it's hard I think it is I think uh Doc's not here but he's usually here and he has four girls and they're all in single digits, I think maybe the oldest one might be 10. Um, but I mean, that's hard to have that many little kids in, in the house at the same time, kind of like having a puppy. I mean, yeah. not really, but sort of, um, but it's hard to kind of balance all of that. So is there anything, even from before, as y'all have done this for three years, what would you tell somebody who was new to this and that, you know, they do have to find their own balance. So the emails and um, client communication, um, keeping parts of your day. But what about doing things like going to a soccer game or picking up, you know, where do you, where does that like, do you, do you plan that stuff out? Do you limit how many things your kids can do or how many outside activities or volunteer activities you do? I wouldn't say we limit it. No, no. we, figure out how to do it. it. I think the thing is, is that it allows us to do it. I mean, yeah. if there's uh, like a field hockey game and we've got to leave at 3.30 because it's two hours away or whatever, we can do it. And if worse comes to worse, one of us drives and one of us has a laptop and we're, you know, trying to get a little bit of work done. But you can make the time for the stuff for your kids or the other stuff you need to do. I think though that the thing is, is I'm not, I mean, I, I was working at home when my son was six or seven and it maybe took a year for him to understand what was going on, but he respected the fact that, you know, this is where I work and it was natural to, yeah. you know, it was natural that, Oh, he works at home. I need to be quiet. You know, it takes a little bit of training as well. I think that a lot more people are working at home these days, obviously, and there's a lot more stress. So everybody knows it, you know, and everybody's forgiving. And also what I've noticed is that over the past 10 months or nine months, people have gotten a lot better at it than they were the first few months. It's much more natural. It's that doesn't even seem like it's a thing anymore, but when it is a thing, but it doesn't seem... Special. Right. It doesn't seem as uh, hard as it used to. So, but is it also good to have a space? Like, is this space that's in your house uh, now, is that kind of separate? Is it something you can close yeah. the door to? Yeah. It, that's actually why we bought this house was because it had a really good, I think it was a dining room at one point, but it doesn't really make sense as a dining room. It's a perfect studio. We love it. And we have a big window that looks out the backyard. It's very therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, I think I can see the light. It's beautiful. Okay, so um, 
So let's get into the um, nitty gritty with you're an agile firm. You um, are small, but you're very nimble and you have had some big clients and some big clients for a long period of time. And I think that that's um, uh, a lot of times we get it once and then we never, you do a target card and then you never do it again because they. Uh, it's just not the way a lot of these bigger companies work. So how have you been able to um, build relationships with other designers, with other um, people in marketing departments, or how does that work for y'all? Part of it is the nature of what we do. I mean, the majority of our work is corporate communications. So we're either talking to, I don't want to say talking to, but we're, we're talking, well, we're talking to employees. Um, it's, the, it's informing employees. It's doing all the things that you need to do to make your, um, your workforce happy and informed. We're talking to outside investors as far as, you know, and, and the media, but we're not an ad agency. You know, we're, we're not on a kind of like contract by contract. So that, that helps because our, our client is usually the, the employees who work at, at, the, at the company. So we get to know them, we get to know their culture. And so we do one piece of marketing, internal marketing, and it usually leads to the next piece because we already have the background to do it. For people who do external stuff, if you know, if you know your brand and you know, um, you know what it takes to express your brand, it's the same type of thing. We have clients that are, that are corporate communicators, and sometimes they go from one company to another. And they, they bring us with them and we, then we meet other people at those companies and they, they say, they ask us to do some work. And when it comes along, we do. I, I guess really what it comes down to is, is kind of the relationship and understanding what you're, what, who you're delivering it to. So I'd love to ask you about that. So I also have done internal communications uh, mm-hmm. when I was working um, and it's really, there's a lot of fun you can have with doing stuff like that. I think that, Maybe some people might think, oh, no, I just want it to be outward facing or instead of that internal. But what have you found um, as maybe an unexpected joy of doing internal working for those employees and helping those employees with training or whatever internal communication people are trying to get across to the employees? Well, I think the funny thing is that when when employees get treated like customers, they are amazed. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm as important to you as who you're selling your product, your product to. And that's our whole mantra. And that really, it's not just our mantra. It's like a good corporate communicator knows that. And actually a good company owner knows that. It's like, you want to treat your employees as well, maybe differently, but as well as you you treat your customers. Um, So you want to deliver them the goods, the means to do their work the types of communications, and even like you see, you know, a, a big companies like to make beautiful buildings and beautiful workspaces, and people love to work there. You know, they've got open cafeterias, so they can go and eat all day long. And of course, you want to go work at Google, because it's like cool, it's and it's comfortable. And, and there are people who are like-minded. And how do you get people who are like-minded? You have to communicate the mind in the first place. So it's an attitude. And I think that that's the most gratifying thing is when you start to see that attitude. And so we've been in at the beginning where there wasn't that attitude. 
and we've helped seed it and it's, you know, it's kind of spread. We, I, I was going to say we work, um, we're working with a team right now that has just made such incredible strides over the last two years in what they used to do and what they're doing now. And it's exciting and it's fun to be a part of it. And even though we're external, we are part of their team and uh, it's, you know, it's invigorating. Yeah, and their expectations are now a lot higher than they used to be when yeah. we started. <laughs> That's true. So you've really kind of done um, brand strategy on their internal brand so that the, yeah. the and that's really, it sounds like what you're doing. So it sounds like you're even helping with them with mindset um, and how their, their approach is. So it sounds like a very holistic approach to their internal team and the understanding of who those people are. Yeah. I mean, we've actually even written internal brand strategies for some of our clients. So it's, yeah, it's, it's gratifying. And the thing, and for a designer, just design wise, you can do the same type of design and even you have even a little bit more latitude than if you were doing external design for the same company. But you know what I love is that design is more than just making something pretty. It is actually what you're doing. You're actually changing lives by um, appreciating those employees and communicating their value to um, to them from the people that are higher up. And that's really design. Design isn't always about you know, pushing pixels and making it. And it's great that we can do that. And that is fun. But man, you're really changing lives if you're able to help somebody that's in that C-suite understand how important these other people that are doing the majority of the work and how they're talking with the outward facing uh, vendors or, or their customers, things like that. Yeah. So it's really, really important. And I'm really excited that you're doing that. And I just love that it's design is more than just the pushing of pretty pixels. Although there are lots, I did plenty of six color jobs back in the nineties for internal teams, you know, and it was, it was great. Cause there is a little bit more flexibility. You could, you have, um, we had a lot more, we had fun that we wouldn't have done in outward facing, which I think is, can be really cool. What role does building relationships with your clients uh, play in your day-to-day business? Like, is it something that you have in a schedule that you're going to make sure you contact Jody to make sure, you know, Jody's, you haven't talked to Jody in four months or something. Is that, is that even, have you ever done that? Well, we, once in a while, we'll, we'll set reminders to reach out to somebody, but we are not effective salespeople, either of us. No. Um, we, we really like people. So we, you know, it's not just corporate speak to say we actually want to build relationships. We really like the people that we're working with. And to the point that we aren't pushovers with what we're willing to do for people. So, um, yeah, I mean, relationships are everything. They are what we rely on um, to get more work. But I would say it's a two-way street. We're not just looking for new friends. <laughs> you know, we're, we're looking for a, a good back and forth where we're getting something out of it and they're getting something out of it. And when that balance is off, then we know that maybe it's time um, to make a change. So what does that look like in um, like, how do you 
come upon? Do these people just fall in your lap or is it from these old past relationships? Because I know we had talked about that it really is a lot of it's been word of mouth um, and you have a PR firm that's doing some of this other stuff for you, but but you didn't have a PR firm for many years, right? right. So how, how did it work? How did things just keep coming in the door? And I think that's where a lot of people are struggling um, for people who are introverted, do you think you guys are more introverted or extroverted? I'm super introverted. I think I'm, I'm just kind of down the middle. And the thing is, is that I'm working with people who in, in a kind of a, not a relationship way, but are related to people I've worked with for over 25 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. And they might've been an assistant to somebody who was running the job, but now they're running the jobs. So 25 years ago, you're working with somebody and if you do a good job and they're, they, they like to work with you, you make it kind of comfortable for them. Part of that is being really informative and really honest and, and explaining what you're doing and there's no secrets and you're responsive as far as either calling them back on the phone or emailing and if you're not responsive, you say, I, I, I'll get back to you. It's just like, I'm working on it, you know, or something like that. If you just like, if you just like keep that communication going, they're going to be happy with you. They're going to go someplace else eventually, or they're going to tell somebody about you. So all of our work is, is word of mouth or people that we've worked with that have gone somewhere else or, and or introduced us to people there. We also collaborate with other uh, strategists and, um, even designers who have a have a development shop as well. Um, you know, one of us will get a job that we think the other would be good at, or um, you know, we need to pull someone else in, and we get clients that way where uh, they weren't our client originally, but we have gone in as a team. So, do you think that this wasn't on the sheet? So again the rooster. Um, so what about your memory? Do you think your memory plays it a role? So Theo just said he's been, he's been doing this for 20 to 25 years. So you learn how people are and you're picking up on um, physical cues when you're uh, with them or um, how much of it is just you remembering how, Hey, you know what, let's try to do this because Jody needed this 10 years ago. This isn't Jody, but I think this might work with uh, so-and-so. Or it's that you did work with Jody 10 years ago, and now you you kind of, do you do the back work and see where Jody's been now? Or do you have like a coffee with Jody or a Zoom coffee with Jody? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, once in a while that comes up, but it's not it's not a strategy. You know, it's, it's like, oh, we haven't, you know, we haven't heard from so-and-so in a while. We should reach out. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, it's usually when you do, they say, well, we were just thinking of you. I mean, I yeah. swear to God, that happens. That happens to us a lot. And that's I, nice. I've learned how to work with clients and ha- how to do a job from really two things. All the past jobs we've done and the people I've worked with. You know, I've, I've been, I, I consider a few people mentors. You know, I often reflect back on, how this, this certain person would have handled this job or this person. You know, sometimes it's not the actual job, it's, it's the actual person. So I, I think it's important to look around you and see how, how other people do it and how other people react to it. And you, I mean, we're all remote today, but like Julie said, we work with 
a really good development team. They're also designers. We work with other writers. And every once in a while we go, wow, they really handled that well. You know, or that's new. You know, let's let's figure let's figure that that out. So I mean it's just like looking at CA magazines. You're looking at other people, you're learning from your environment, what's around you. But that's really important to say. You say it sort of like it's like everybody does this, but maybe everybody doesn't do this. Maybe this is one of your gold nuggets because maybe this is what you've always done. But um, so you're able to keep up with these relationships, maybe not by calling them or having coffee, but you're still you're seeing what they're doing and you see how they get they're changing. And maybe it's something that now you're like, ooh, you know what this we need these developers to do something else. Let's bring this in, them into this project. So yeah. you're keeping relationships and you're growing these relationships with these. It's not like who's the cheapest. Let's use the cheapest. We're you've invested in these people because you've been good collaborators. Yeah. 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 Well, and that happens to us too. We have a few people that they're also an independent shop, but they bring us into projects because they, you know, we fill a niche, we fill a need. I love that. Okay. So um, how about, uh, so you kind of have talked on this a little bit, uh, but do you have any clients that you've worked with for over 10 years and maybe it's a, uh, once a year kind of thing, or it's a every four years kind of thing. How do you maintain that? Is it, I mean, is it just that it, it's just very organic or is it, um, Julie said, maybe sometimes you would set a reminder, but only when you know the, th the four year thing is coming around, like, or do you know, like how, how have you maintained client relationships over the years with some long-term clients? Over the years, I have done kind of the thing you do. I, I, I say, we had a good, we, we had a nice job with this client. It's, it's been a while. I know that they don't have a lot of work, but I don't want them to forget about us. Mm -hmm. And I'll, we will, we'll call them up. And in the old days, we say, let's go meet for coffee or for lunch. And for good clients, even like where I would do that, I would take the two hour train ride down to New York or even a six hour train ride to DC just to do that a couple times a year because it was worthwhile, you know? And I, I think that, you know, this year you kind of have to throw out, but still we would be doing that. We would be having, you know, either a breakfast or a lunch or just say, Hey, because and, and in a way the client you're talking to, they know what you're doing. You know, they, they, they know you want to work with them again. I, I always makes me feel like, yeah, they know we want to work with them again, but they're saying yes. So let's go and have, let's go and have a talk. But um, there's also, I, it just reminded me of another thing that we do is we'll work on a project that we feel really good about. And often Theo uses the roller deck, Rolodex in his head. And he thinks this person would really be interested in this because I had done a project similar with them a few years ago. So I want to let them know about this new project. And we'll just reach out and, and send them a copy and let them know about what is current in our studio. Because I think that's a, a hard thing for some people is that, so so maybe you, um, this isn't y'all, but maybe this is somebody else I know, that they hadn't done presentation designs, but now they're doing a lot of presentation designs. And somebody just thought that they were only print and now they're doing digital or, or vice versa. And I think sometimes we just need to have these conversations face-to-face, -face, whether it's on Zoom or 
it's in person uh, if we can, that just reminds them of what we're doing and what, and hey, this, like you just said, hey, we had a project that I think you might could use. Even if they don't use you, you're just telling them about something that would build their company, that would help their company. And it's just an idea. If they want to use you, great, but you're just, it's like you're, you're being friends with them, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, we're doing a project, a kind of project that we haven't done before. But I know other people, other companies who could use that same project. So that's the time to say, hey, you know us, but here's something new in our repertoire. So, so it's it's a good, that's a good um, moment to reconnect. I love that. So, but would you start that in a email and want a face-to-face, whether that's in person or on Zoom, or is it like, hey, can I, um, how does that, how does that conversation get started? Because I think sometimes people have, it, it can be this awkward thing, but I think clients don't think of it as awkward. They're just thinking you're being helpful. It's an email. I mean, I think you, you, you write an email and you can, if it's, you know, portable enough to send through email, you send something through email, you refer them to your website, um, or you say, hey, would you like to meet up and we can go, I can show you this and we can talk about, I think that the meetup thing I'm talking about pre COVID and post COVID. Right. Right. For sure. Okay. So um, last, uh, last question before the uh, fast round. So John said in the chat, he said, I love this approach. There's nothing like meeting face to face for sure. Um, And I think that one thing that John and D do that it sounds like you guys do it would, if, if you were meeting with a corporate client and they were new and you just thought, mm, these we do not jive well with these people. Is that like a, a you might do the job, but you just wouldn't continue to pursue that? Or is it like if they're not um, uh, teachable in maybe how they're communicating with their employees and they don't have that kind of right spirit? Is that something that you can suss out early in in that discovery process? And then you might just not think it's a good fit or has that ever happened? We have had experience with that. And no, you can't tell right away, um, at least in, in our experience. When we're brought in on a project, we are the outsider. And a lot of it is breaking through and understanding how our clients work. So sometimes the onus is on us to put aside some of the way we work and work the way they work. But if there is you know, into the relationship after the first project, we might be like, well, you know, that didn't quite go the way we'd like it. And, you know, it didn't feel right, but we give it another shot because sometimes uh, if you persevere, you find out that the client's mind wasn't actually on your project. It was on the 20 other projects that they're dealing with and they weren't giving you the time you needed. And so by building your relationship with them, you start to understand them better. And then sometimes it just doesn't work. And then you, <laughs> then you cut the cord, but yeah. I, I think it's worth, it's worth it. Usually when it doesn't work, both sides, you know, yeah. you know, and it's kind of, and, and at that point you just, you know, acknowledge it, it's either a silent acknowledgement because you don't hear back from them or you just, you know, acknowledge it doesn't work. It's interesting. We worked with, we just worked with a job where a certain part of it didn't go well. But the group that it didn't go well with still came back and asked what went wrong. That's an interesting thing. And it takes a lot of guts to come back and say, you know, what went wrong? Why did we not, you know, satisfy you? 
And I, I think there's a, a specific moment to do that. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we've ever done that before. What, where we have like a debrief? To yeah. No, I'm always afraid of doing it. <laughs> no. I, it's like, I don't want to hear why <laughs> it didn't work out. It's, but honestly, it's usually because we're too expensive. And, you know, people will go to Upwork and they'll find somebody who can do it for a lot cheaper than we'll do it. And, you know, that that's their decision. But, you know, we can't compete with it. But there's also, there's, you, you've had a lot of experience and um, not to say anything with Upwork, but a lot of times those are less experienced um, people. And so again, it's not even a, it's not competing um, on the same playing field, uh, I think. So, but I had, a, I wrote another question down while y'all were talking about. So, so say a project's gone great and you, do you follow up to check with how the employees reacted after the communication? Like, um, if, if it was like a, a full brand internal brand redesign, or if there, it was just a, a program that was launching to see how many employees, um, or do you do any of that kind of follow up on, I, I would think you would do things like this in the library, to be honest, right? When you're, if you're working in a library, you have programs and then you send out like, was this successful or right to the, to the uh, patrons, right? Um, but I think a lot of designers don't necessarily follow up. Like we finish, it looks great. We send it off and then we forget that there's this whole other part that they, they have to actually implement the thing. Um, and then, is that something that you follow up? Cause I'm always just trying to give people ideas of ways to reconnect with their client so that again, they're not uh, it's, it's don't forget about me. Right. But it's, we're also interested in, did this work? That's a very good point. And I think we could do better on that. Um, it's it's kind of hard with big uh, companies because they're relying on analytics for things like, was this email successful? How many clicks were there? But the more esoteric, uh, response, the, the qualitative stuff isn't, it's not readily available. So, um, you, you know, they, they're fond of taking pulse surveys and finding out really quick information and, and feedback. But, um, I don't know that, that any of that would be valuable for the type of design we do. The kudos that we get from the teams that we work for is much more valuable to us. Like we'll hear it word of mouth from the the communications people that we're working with. Yeah, there's a few times, like for um, some websites we've worked on, microsites where you're launching a publication where you can see how many people have looked at it, how many people have downloaded compared to last year. But I think Julie's right. It's the satisfaction of the customer, but it's also let's do that again. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that worked. Let's do it again. And it's a lot of times it's let's do it again and then let's twist it around a little bit. Let's do it a little bit differently. But if the, the program we did once, they say, let's come back and do it again, you know, it, it's, it's, it's worked. Or if we get the email from the communicator that says you rock and it's got four exclamation points, yeah. then we know it was really good. <laughs> I love that. So that's yeah. good though. And, and sometimes it's just about reconnecting, like how did it go? Um, and just asking them how it went. Maybe it's not asking for analytics, but just, like they, you knew they were supposed to launch on the third. Did it go off? You know, did they get any response back or if they had analytics, you could always ask that if, if it depends on the person, you know, if they were really analytical 
person, I think. So, so then I have another question that I just came up with because of what you were saying. Um, so then do you send these clients holiday cards or gifts or do you, do you do anything like that? Our first year in business, I have my best friend who lives in Richmond, Virginia, and is a very talented potter. We had mugs made. Let's say, can you see it says spicy brown? Yeah, I love it. So we sent those to our clients, but then half of our clients aren't allowed to accept gifts. (laughs) So I don't know where those those mugs went. Um, And we know one got broken in the mail. So that was not such a great idea. But um, we try to, you know, send a little a little greeting now. You know, once in a while, if it's a client we know that can take a gift, we'll do something if it was a really special project or, you know, good relationship. I think that's also a good kind of memory um, thing. I always forget, uh, not that I forget Christmas. That's not terrible. I don't forget Christmas, but I'm way too busy at this point. And so I I really should be doing like Christmas cards in July, I think, and having them ready, right? I know it's crazy. This is the busiest time of the year. People should be like slowing down at this point. (laughs) I agree. So so I've started doing uh, Valentine's. I'm like, there's not enough love. So let's send some love. So I try to do something. Then it's maybe not expected. Won't just get in this pile of stuff from everybody else. But I think, you know, pick a date, pick a Pick a brown day that people don't even, you know, appreciate, right? Uh, feisty. Like a feisty day. Yeah, a feisty <laughs> day. I, I love it. I have one other big question, um, but I think that you've kind of covered it. But why do you think your business has not slowed down during COVID? What has made it pandemic proof? Well, their communication never stops. And uh, the type of communication has changed. But, you know, we have these good relationships with our clients. And... I think that we actually were kind of a pillar for them. While everything was changing, they were moving out of their big corporate offices and they weren't in physical space together. They knew that we were still doing what we do. And I think that's why. So we got pulled in to do uh, you know, the kind of crisis communications with, with some of them. And you know, life goes on for a lot of organizations that had nothing to do with COVID. So we were mid-project on a few big things, and those didn't have the opportunity of stopping at all. We just had to keep plugging away, which was good. Kept our mind off of everything. Yeah, for sure. So then um, I didn't have to slow down, though. We, we had we a, a slow down. We did have a – it was a couple of months um, where when people were shifting – the, the work that was in the, the work stream, that part um, fell off, you know, for these kind of regular communications. But yeah, it, it came back. It was just very different because of COVID. So I know a lot of people, um, it, it having just being at home working with their spouse has been either really bad or really good for some people. And so I know John and Dee go on a lot of walks because they're a partner. <laughs> they work together, but they're also husband yeah. and wife. What's your way for maintaining your relationship, but also um, having a, a really healthy business relationship too? Well, we go on a lot of walks. We do. We, we, <laughs> uh, we have two Labrador retrievers as you can hear back here. And uh, we walk three miles a day in the morning. That's part of the reason we don't take client meetings until you know, 10, if we can help it. 
And that's huge, you know, exercise and um, spending some time together, uh, hiking, walking. We also have a, a whiskey and play backgammon every day around 530. <laughs> See this. Clearly somebody's been left out of the whiskey or the backgammon. They were very no. upset about that. <laughs> Theo, tell me how you recharge. I recharge on the weekends, certainly. I mean, there are times where I have to work on the weekends. I used to do it a lot more when I was younger, but it's really, it's like, I'm like, no, I'm not going to work on the weekends. And fortunately, we have people who work for us now who don't work on the weekends either, but they take some of the load off of me and Julie. Mm -hmm. um, so I do all the things that are fun. I fix the house. I like, <laughs> I, we, we walk, we take hikes. I mean, it's beautiful around here. We go up to the public lands and take hikes with the dogs. We travel when we can. I don't know. I, I tell you quite honestly, it's a, we have a good balance during the work week anyway. Like we said earlier, because we kind of like can interrupt the work with the, the life stuff and then come back to it. And it doesn't kind of wreck our whole train of thought um, that it, it's I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way it's turned out. <laughs> I love that. OK, so then is there a quote or something that you keep close that over the years has really made a, a difference to you or it has um, been important or helped you during tough times? No, I, I don't have a quote. I have the idea of doing something successful until we retire. And that's, you know, that's what I hold close is doing something that we love. That's exciting. That's like our little baby that we're you know, trying to grow um, into something that will help us retire. I love that. So Julie, I'm going to ask you, uh, how do you recharge? The walks, huge. That's huge. Um, and yoga a couple times a week. My kids, you know, we yeah. we're kind of homebodies, I would say. So we like we like gardening. I garden a lot. We love our town. So we, you know, we have a good farmers market in the summer. We do all the the things <laughs> that you're supposed to do to be happy. So you have a good balance, it sounds like, in yeah. other things, other interests, and you know when to... And we um, both like to cook. You oh, know? yeah. So that's yeah, a nice way to totally get your mind off work, is to have to sit down and, and you know, make a good meal. Do you yeah. make lunch, too? Or is lunch like... Well, lunch is like usually a, leftovers from the night before. Yeah. We, we try to... <laughs> we eat a big breakfast. We try to heat up a nice big lunch. We're big eaters. <laughs> Maybe that just comes off in your three mile walks every day. John and Dee also say uh, that sounds really familiar. Y'all do. Y'all should be friends with them. Just so you know. Um, so what's next? What what is what's next for y'all as Feisty Brown? Oh. Yeah, I saw that question. I've been I've been thinking about it. I might have a different answer than Dio. My thing right now, honestly, is to try to figure out trying to find the right animator to work with. And to bring in more, um, you know, bring in the idea of doing more communication through little, you know, I know they're called explainer videos, which for some reason cracks me up, but <laughs> I just like saying explainer. Um, <laughs> and, you know, doing, doing, bringing our design into a, a more animated realm, but we don't do animation. So like trying to find the right person to collaborate with. I don't know why I'm like really stuck on this idea right now. 
think it's hard. It's hard when maybe you don't know enough about that or you want you don't know if you'll want somebody with different styles. It's kind of like working yeah. with an illustrator, right? Do you want somebody who can do lots of different styles or do you want somebody who can, you know, solve it in a similar way every time? I think it's just, it's just hard. I agree with you. I think we also, we also are now working with somebody who is first and foremost an illustrator. And that gives us a lot more flexibility um, and originality in our work. You know, there's a lot of like icon, you know, icons going around that look exactly the same. There's a lot of illustration that looks exactly the same. And there's a lot of times where you have to work really quickly. So you're relying on um, stock places or mashing up something from the stock place, um, like Creative Market or Dribble or something like that. And, and so it's kind of been important for us to try and go in the other direction of actually doing it ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's more expensive. That's the that's the real issue. Um, what, so to, that, do, to do your own illustration. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, again, like animation, it's kind of the thing we're trying to expand on. It, it's not just about you know giving it to our clients. It's also our clients. We're we're competing with clients who want to do it themselves, and there's so many tools that they can put something together that looks half decent. So we really need to stand out from that. Yeah. For sure. Well, Paul says, Julie, if you learn Drupal, you can learn animation. Oh. But maybe Julie doesn't <laughs> want to do animation. But um, I, but I think it's a great it's that's a great way to end. I want to give you guys uh, how to get in touch with them, and it, all these links will be underneath. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube or you're on the website, or um, which you can check it out at rechargingyou.com slash three sixty four, and then um, but you can. Connect with them at Feisty Brown. It is F-E-I-S-T-Y Brown, just like how everybody spells it, dot com. And then Instagram at Feisty Brown. Um, there's lots of typography stuff in there. I love it. And then on there's the LinkedIn for Theo and LinkedIn for Julie as well. So I hope you guys will connect with them. Thank you guys so much for oh, being you. here. This was really, it was fun. And you learned something new about each other. Well, well one <laughs> thing you learned and, and it was, it was just nice to know that you can work with your spouse and you can have a, a, a good balance in life and, that you are really committed to your clients and doing what's best for them and, and doing even internal communications. I just think that's a really, I think it's great. You put a new light on it for me. And I remember doing that kind of work and I really did enjoy it. So it was really, I'm glad to know that you've niched in that and you've just really helped a lot of companies have their employees feel more valued and loved. So I love it. Thank you guys so much. And just so you guys know, everybody else, uh, it'll be me next week on a rapid recharge. And uh, we'll kind of be wrapping up the year. And we have one more design recharge for the year. And that'll be December 2nd. So I hope you guys will tune in and come back next week. And remember, check out feistybrown.com.